Turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapters 24. Joshua 24. It is good to see everyone here, and Todd, we want to welcome you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> well, wonderful. I, I used to take a, a group of grandparents out to Belinda to Mesa Road, out to Commonwealth. You're more than likely familiar with it. So we want to welcome you here. Yes, yes. Make sure you get gas before you head to Bolinas. Don't go out there on no eighth of a tank, go over the mountain, think you're going to find gas over there. <laughs> Five bucks a gallon. <laughs> and you have to get it if you're there. <laughs> Amen. Joshua chapter 24, the, the first 15 verses I will be reading from the ESV. And this is what it says. Joshua 24, 1 through 15. Something that I don't oftentimes have you do. Would you please stand as I read the Word of God? I'm going to read first 15 verses. Let's stand as we read the Word of God. And this is what it says. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come up on them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. And I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. The two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built. 
and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of you you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the Lord bless the reading of his word. As a title, I've given fathers ought to remember in order to not forget. Fathers ought to remember in order to not forget. You got that, fathers? You need to remember in order to not, what? Forget. Joshua is who? Who is Joshua? Anyone know who Joshua is? People know him as the person that fought those in Jericho, and he is the leader that took Moses' place. I want you to look at 1, verse 1, again, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Shechem was not far from the city of Shiloh, and it is the place where the Lord, Shechem, first met Abraham to give him the promise that he was going to bless his seed and give him the land of Canaan. If you remember when the Lord called Abraham, let him out from his country, and he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Now, when we think about what the Lord did for Abraham, it really required an act of faith when Abraham didn't even have any children. It really required that Abraham trust God. And in fact, the Bible says that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith in God. When we look at the book of Joshua, Joshua is coming to the end of his life here and is about to go off the scene. And it is fascinating to note that just like Moses gave instructions to the Israelites, and then when the children of those Israelites were uh, going to possess the land, they were going to um, be the ones to inherit the land, Moses then again spoke to that second generation in the book of Deuteronomy, which we get the word, Deuteronomy means the second law. And now we find again here Joshua, as he's the one that's about, to go off the scene, and as the children of Israel have began to take possession of the land, he, can, he calls the elders and the judges to the very place where the Lord first gave his promise to Shechem, at Shechem. The book of Joshua, if you look at chapter 24, it, it is, a, it is, a, is, a, it is a, a treaty, what we called a suzerainty treaty. 
And within this what's called a suzerainty treaty, if you're writing it down, it is spelled S-U-Z-E-R-A-I-N-T-Y. A suzerainty treaty. Over lordship, it deals with four general areas. I'm not just going to mention this. It deals, uh, or, or within the suzerainty treaty, I should say, it includes, number one, a preamble. Something that goes before a preamble. The next thing that it, that's included in a suzerainty treaty is a historical prologue, a reflecting over the history, historically looking back. The third within a suzerainty treaty are what's called the stipulations for the vassal state. A vassal state basically means a slave state. If you are a vassal of somebody, you are a slave of that person. Some of you are slaves to your appetite. I stand guilty. Some of you are slaves to sleep. But this is not what I'm talking about really here in this case. A vassal state, it it deals with the idea that within being a vassal to a person, there are stipulations, or what's called, I should say, consequences for disobedience. So within that, it has that. And then the fourth would be a writing of the agreement. When you look at Joshua 24, it, it really consists of what's called a suzerainty treaty. Let me also say this about a suzerainty treaty. It really is a, an agreement between unequals. When the Lord gives a treaty, it's really not for you to give your input to help write it out. Basically, you're just saying, yes, Lord, I agree. Because he sets the terms and the conditions. The call of Joshua to the people to remember what God has done takes us back to Deuteronomy, as I mentioned. It takes us a looking back over the history. So what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to briefly go through some history of looking back of what Joshua does as he's going to be departing and giving the people something to remember. Because you know when we don't remember, we will tend to run amok. We will go out and just act a nut. Not y'all, but some people I know. Point number one. I want you to write down the call to remember. Joshua 24, 1 through 13. Uh, it is, I'm titling point one, the call to remember. Now, God is the author of the covenant. We need to understand that clearly. God is the author of the covenant. He, he, he mentions Joshua, Terah served other gods. When we think of Terah, who is the father of Abraham, Terah was an idol-worshipping man. It was the Lord who called Abraham to leave his father, to come away from that, from the earth of Chaldees, to leave that place, and to go and going to take him into a place that he was going to give to him. He was calling him away from his family. Because the Lord says, I'm going to be your God. And this is, look at this, this is what Joshua is telling the people. So he tells them that he called Terah 
or he mentions Terah who served other gods. Then he called Abraham. He first appeared to him in Shechem. So when we think about Shechem, where the promise, I should say, was made, it is a place that's very interesting when you think about what God did. He started there, and then when he was going to bring them back, he then reaffirmed the agreement that he made to Abraham. Do you not know that God does not have a problem remembering what he says? I sometimes forget what I said the day before. Any of you got that problem? Some of y'all sometimes even forget what you said five minutes ago. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Then God sent them to Egypt. When you think of Egypt, Egypt is always considered to be a place of sin. When you think of the word Egypt, it represents sin, and you go down to Egypt. You see, you never go up when you go down to Egypt. You always head down. And the Lord said that I sent Jacob there to Egypt. So Joseph goes to Egypt. But the Lord says I sent Moses to bring them out of Egypt. It was Moses and Aaron who was bringing them out. Now this is what Joshua was doing. He's reminding them of what God has done. It is good to remember what the Lord has done because if you remember what the Lord has done, it will allow you to be able to praise him and thank him, thank him for bringing you through. Then the Lord says to Joshua, as he tells the leaders, then he brought you out of Egypt to the Red Sea. You see, the Lord brought them right to a place where there was no escape. Have you ever been in a situation to where you left and went someplace and you didn't know how to get out? Have you ever been to a place where you, you were going somewhere and you just said, I am all turned around. I don't know how to get out of here. Have you ever been there before? Well, they get to the Red Sea and they get to this place and they see the Egyptians coming and they say, you brought us out of Egypt to kill us at the Red Sea. And the Lord will do that. He'll take you to a place and he will say, now you will see what I am going to do. And so the Lord brought them to the Red Sea. And he put them right between the mountains and the Red Sea. Were a place where they had to only go forward. And the Lord told Moses, stop crying to me. Go on forward. And the Lord opened the Red Sea and allowed them to walk through on dry land. So not only did the children of Israel see God's goodness in Egypt, he then delivered them through the Red Sea. The Lord said that as the Egyptians were coming, they're going to go to the sea. He put darkness between the Egyptians and his people. Gave them light and made the side for the Egyptians dark. The Bible says they came through the Red Sea. They lived in the wilderness. You know you've got to trust the Lord if you're going to live in the wilderness. Some of you have had wilderness experiences. Some of you are still in the wilderness. Trying to get out. One of the crazy things about the wilderness is that there are all types of things there that you don't want to see oftentimes. Snakes, bugs, wild animals. And you find yourself freaking out there, but God protected the children of Israel from all those things while they were there, as long as they obeyed him. This is what Joshua was reminding them of. He brought you through the wilderness. He took you through the place and took you through these difficulties so that you would learn how to obey him. Do you not know the reason that God does not make your life easy? Because he recognizes so that if you just go sailing through, you won't trust him. 
He gives you things to actually go through so that you can look to him and say, God, I know it's you that brought me out. Stop crying when your life is not easy. Stop crying because, because things seem to be hard. God may be trying to bring you through so that your, so that your shouting and your joy may be more full. So go on through the experience and then thank God. Let me say this. When you've come through something hard at times, you will oftentimes see and thank God all the more because you know that it was only God that brought you through. Because you said, as I look back, I don't see how I got out of this. And it will make you praise the Lord. It will make you want to go back into that situation, but it will make you praise the Lord. So they lived in the wilderness. And when it was only about an 11-day journey for them to get from from Egypt to the Promised Land, it took them 40 years. You see, some people don't have to be in the wilderness as long as they are right now. They just refuse to take the exit sign. But the Lord says, I'm going to make you stay in this desert. And because of your rebellion, he said, I'm going to bring your children, not the very ones that you said is going to die in the desert, I'm going to bring them into the promised land. Then the Lord said, then when your enemies came to you, and you're going through, the Amorites, they were in the land. God says, I gave you victory even over the Amorites. Then there was a king by the name of Balak, son of Zippor. He, he was the one that summoned Balaam. Called for Balaam. said, Balaam, come and put a curse on these people. They are numerous. So when you come, when, he, when you come, I, I want you to curse these people for me. And so he, he had him to, he sent a delegation to him. Said, would you come? And the Lord didn't allow him to go. But Balaam loved money. And they offered him more. And if you look at the story back in number, you'll see that his donkey rebuked him. A donkey talked to him, as Sister Florence just said. Spoke to him in a voice. Says, haven't I always been a good donkey to you? Haven't I always done what you've asked me to do? Yeah, but you made me look like a fool. I'm not in the habit of doing this. No. And here he is having a conversation. I, I, but don't tell me the Lord don't have a sense of humor. Please don't tell me the Lord doesn't have a sense of humor. And the Bible had this donkey restrain him. And when he came to his senses, he went on about the business that God had called him to, even though he was false. God was using him. God was showing that I'm sovereign, even over the enemy. And the Lord would not allow Balaam to put a curse on God's people. He said, no, those are a blessed people. Don't you know you are a blessed people? I don't care what people say about you. You are a blessed people. Let them talk about you and then let God just bless you. And they'll sometimes just look at you and get more mad because God is blessing you. And so he, he pronounced blessings on them rather than curses. And then Balak said, go on back home. I told you I'd, I'd bless you. Go on. You ain't supposed to be blessing these people. I wanted you to put a curse on them. God won't allow people to curse you if he has a blessing on your life unless he says so. Stop worrying about what people are saying about you. Maybe God's allowing them to say certain things because he's got a blessing for you. Then the Lord says, then 
you crossed over the Jordan and came to Jericho. Now, Jericho is a city that you were not going to get in if the doors and the gates were closed up. place where Rahab helped protect the spies. And when we think about the city of Jericho, the Lord had them to march around one time each day until that seventh day and then have them to march around that wall seven times. Now, who ever thought about fighting a, a battle, an army, about to go into war, and you marching around some building, some wall? But what God says to do, you are always in good hands, and you are always going to be on the winning side. Don't care how crazy it might look. And so he's reminding these leaders as they come through Jericho. God said, then I sent the hornet against you. Now the word hornet could mean, in the Hebrew, it could actually mean uh, depression or discouragement. But I also believe that it means hornet. Hornet, he sent the hornet into the land so that when they're going in, he said, yeah, go run them people out of there. I don't care how big a person may be, that little hornet will get you. It will cause you to run. Come telling me you're not scared of no yellow jacket. Some of y'all say, I ain't scared of nothing. Let a bee come after you. I, I, I got a story to tell. Years ago when I was doing the church, I used to cut the grass. And so I'm out with this lawnmower down on the, right below on the street side, cutting the grass. It was a nice day. Had a lawnmower. I think it was a yellow lawnmower. Yep, that's what I recall is yellow. And I'm pushing this lawnmower. And as I'm pushing, you know, I see the grass, you know, blowing out. I'm saying that's a whole lot, a lot of grass coming out of that side there. And I come to realize that wasn't grass. I went over a yellow jacket nest. And as I went over it, they were swarming. And I thought to myself, my brain said, time to run. So I started running, and they started coming after me. Ran up the street. Looking back as I'm running, and I don't know where they stopped, but they eventually did, I left it running. I did not go back. Pastor Noah, what happened to you coming by? He was the one to go pull that, that um, lawnmower off that hive. I wasn't going back to get it. It would have stayed there all night. I don't care what the neighbors would have said about the noise. It would have been running all night long. Y'all go turn it off. I'm not scared of a lot of stuff. I was scared of the hornet. Or the little yellow jacket. Now, some of y'all scared now. Now, I didn't want to get stung. This is what the Lord says. I sent the hornet ahead of you. I've got command over all of my creation. So he sent the hornet. The Lord then says, you did not deliver yourself, but God did this. So that you cannot take credit for your deliverance. You see, there are some people who really want to take credit for their deliverance. You know, this is, this is what I did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they didn't give me no credit. I'll give my own self some credit. You know, this is what I, no, no, no. The Lord said you didn't do any of it. When you look back over all that God did, all your situation, you can't take credit for any of it. God says, I'm the one that brought you through. And Joshua is making it clear to the people. He's reminding them that he's the one that did it. Yeah. The Lord also said, what you were given was given to you by God. Even the cities that you occupy, you didn't even build them. Even the food that you're eating right now, you didn't even plant it. God planted it. Point number two. Writing it down. Point two, the call to repent 
and renew the agreement. The call to repent and renew the agreement. That would be Joshua 24:14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Once you have been called to remember what God has done, there is an action on your part that is required. People who say that they fear God or honor him but don't serve him are not telling the truth. There are two types, in my opinion, of fear. Two types. There is a fear, number one, a fear of God because of his all-encompassing power. There is a fear just because of who God is, his might that one fears him. And then there's a fear of God because one respects him and loves him. Now, the Christian has both fears. We fear God because he's a mighty God. The Israelites, when they were standing before Mount Sinai, saw that mountain and how it quaked. And they said, Moses, we don't, we're not going to make it if we have to stand before God. You speak to us. And the Lord said, that's good what they say. You see, the believer believes they respect God in the fact that they know how powerful he is and they have a proper fear of him. And then they have a fear of respect. The unbeliever only has a fear of God's power, not of respect. Because if they respected him, they would honor him and worship him. So when we think about fear, fear is not a bad thing. It helps propel us into the very worship of God because of who he is. Now, when we have a personal relationship with God, God doesn't want us to have a fear of him, of God, no, I'm coming to you, don't, don't, don't take my life. No, 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 God is a loving God, but God will judge sin. You look at the agreements back in Exodus, you look at these agreements, and these treaties, and even in Deuteronomy, you think about these things. It, it was an agreement that God says, I'll bless you if you listen and do what I say because I know what's best for you. When you think about your children, your children might pout, but you didn't care. Well, you might and pop them if they did too much. But you didn't really care because why? You know what's best for them. You're training them. You're helping them. And you're doing it based on your own limited knowledge. But when God does something, it is done always perfectly. So when God says, I'm going to bless you, and and now wait a minute, in this agreement, there's blessings, but there's also curses. And when you think of the blessings of God, he says, man, if you do this, I'll bless you. Bless the fruit of your womb. I'll bless you that even when you plant, it'll grow. Think about this. When the Lord gave the feast, and told them in Leviticus 23, here are my appointed feasts. And you go on to read that through verses, chapters 24, 25, 26 of Leviticus, you'll come to a place when the Lord says that, uh, that on the seventh year that the land is to have a Sabbath of rest. And, and then the question comes up, and it, and it, and it, rise, and it comes for the people, and they, they go and they say, well, well Lord, what are we to eat in that seventh year if we're not planting and can't eat what's produced? God says, I will make the sixth year so prosperous for you that you're going to be eating for three years. I'm going to give you so much that when the sixth year comes, you will be eating to the ninth and the tenth year. So that when the seventh year comes, the land lies fallow and you're not eating, you're going to be eating that seventh year from the sixth. Then come the eighth year when you plant, you'll still be eating the sixth. Then come the ninth year, but the harvest's not quite ready, you'll be still be eating the sixth. 
My goodness. God says, I'll do that simply for you obeying me. Then he said, you know what else I'll do? I will then keep the wild and savage beast away from you. So that I'll put a parameter and put a border around you. So that, that I'll say no trespassing to them. The snakes that are out there, the deadly ones, I'll keep them away. That's what God will do. That's what God did when they listened and obeyed him. Those who do not know God fear him because of the wrong that they do. They fear God because they think they've done something wrong. Think about it. Be done in just a few moments. When people... Fear God. Oftentimes they say, oh, I have respect for God, so they'll turn their music down. They used to turn their music down when they went by the church and take their hat off. You know, but, but th- I want you to think about this. There was a type of respect, but it didn't lead to repentance. It, it didn't lead to, to them renewing the agreement. Joshua was saying that after you remember, you've got to now repent and renew the agreement that God made long ago. I want you to do this. What he told you before, just keep on doing. That's what the Bible basically is. It's a book that says, just keep on obeying God. You see, in the Greek, there's in the imperfect tense, means to keep on doing. Well, I said like on Tuesday, we're being saved, we've been saved, but we are still being saved. You're not just saved just right now, not continuously. You are still being saved. And God is going to bring you into eternity with him. So when we think about what God is doing, we have to remember then there's a call to repent. Point number three. Give me three minutes and I'll be done. Then there is a call to choose. A call to choose. Joshua 24, 15. Joshua is going to be going off the scene. And his call for the leaders is to choose what God they're going to serve. Do you not know that when he had told them that Terah and those on the other side, some of their fathers had, were worshiping idol gods. And then God had brought them through the land and they would go into the land and they started worshiping those gods. And even right now that Joshua is giving this to them, do you not know some of them still picked up idol gods and were worshiping them? said, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Joshua declares that he has surveyed the history in this suzerainty treaty from Abraham to the present, and just like he and Caleb were the only two men from that first generation to enter into the promised land, he is telling them and saying again that you need to choose leaders whom you're going to serve. Fathers, you've got a responsibility to train your children to choose life. You've got to remember that there has to be a call upon your life, a call to remember, and a call not to forget. So there is no excuse that can be given seeing what God has done and how he has fulfilled his promise. And so Joshua says, you all choose. And then he makes this statement in 15, but as for me and my household, he's not only said, am I going to serve? He said, I've been serving the Lord. I've been serving him from the, even the first generation. I'm going to continue serving him. As for me and my household, y'all decide what y'all want to do after all I've just told y'all. But as for me and my house, 
we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. And that's what the father is saying. This is what this household is going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. And, and you need to make that decision, father, and stop waiting for somebody else to do it for you. God has called fathers to be the head, not the abusers, not beating people up, but the head that says, this is how we do it. So you look at Joshua and says, I'm choosing to follow the God that brought us through and has brought our enemies, all the enemies. If you look at Joshua, those chapters 13, I believe it is, up to what we read, you look at how God brought those enemies they were fighting enemies and all of them just falling and falling and falling. Why? Because God had made a promise that I'm going to bring you into this promised land. One of the things that we need to understand, God does not go back on his promises. If you are obedient, he'll fulfill them. If you disobey, then remember, in the treaty, as a vassal state, as a slave, you got the consequences as well are laid out right before you. Ain't no guessing work with God's word. He lays it right out right here. I didn't know that was going to happen. Well, here's right here, right in the word of God. He said it. He said it right here. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> so if you want to have life, if you want to inherit the promised land, if you want to experience God's blessing, just do what he says. Remember, you got to remember. you got to remember in order to not forget. Please stand with me. Please stand. Please stand. That was a quick history lesson. <laughs> Over hundreds, thousands of years of history. Within the last 20 minutes. So, Go back and read Joshua 24. I want you to take time to read those in your own, in your own devotion. As we go back and just read Joshua chapter 24, the whole chapter. Just read the chapter. Just read the chapter. As I pray, before we go, the, the women have a presentation they'd like to make to the, to the fathers and the men. So we're going to let them do that right after we pray. Lord, we thank you right now for the privilege of being able to come and to have fathers in this world. Lord, we thank you right now that as fathers and have been called to lead and to our families and to uh, minister to our families. Lord, Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Help us to serve the Almighty King. Help us to serve the King of glory. Help us to remember that, Lord, we have a reward. We have the great and mighty King. We thank you right now. And as we leave this place today, we do pray that you will keep us strong. Keep our minds stayed on you. We do love you, give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.